this morning and let's praise the Lord.
somebody and saying, you're looking as mighty fine as you've ever looked. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much for being here at the 1040 service this morning. If you're visiting with us today, you have found yourself in the right place. How many of you love your church this morning? Amen. Me too. And it is so good to see you, to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for being our special guest. Uh, we want you to take a few moments uh, here this morning. Welcome brothers and sisters, friends, family. I want you to get out, take a few minutes, and don't just shake the hand of somebody you know and somebody who you just kind of roll your eyes with and you, you shake their hand every week like ritualistic at this moment. I want you to find somebody you normally don't get to shake their hand and maybe even don't know their name. I want you to get out, find them in the next few moments and shake their hand and let them know they're in the right place today because they're in the house of God. Would you do that right now? Find somebody that you don't really know very well.
doesn't sound like a bunch of blood-bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled folks who are just singing a song about, I take the authority over the enemy that tries to attack our lives. How many of you are set free today because you know Jesus Christ? Amen. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Satan has to flee. Well, let's do that one more time. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Satan has to flee. Amen. We have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, he said, all power, all power, say all power. All power has been given in me, in heaven and earth and under the earth. How many of you know that nothing, nothing comes your way, nothing comes my way that doesn't first come through the hand of God's filtered protection, his hand on our lives, amen? We have peace that surpasses all understanding. We have joy, the Bible says it's unspeakable and full of glory. We have love in our hearts that cannot be compared, amen? How many of you are thankful this morning for the power in Jesus Christ? God bless you, amen. You may be seated. Well, we pulled it off. She absolutely, her and Virgil absolutely had no idea. I literally I was going to go to her Sunday school class and interrupt the class. I got there, they had just dismissed, and Liz was one way and Virgil was the other. So we were running around. If you saw us running around here frantic, one lady stopped us in the hall back there and said, what's wrong? I said, nothing, we're just trying to find Liz. So we are trying to find her, we got in touch with them, and I dropped the, uh, the news on her that all of us know that today we are wanting to honor Liz and Virgil Amberger. Bergie for 60 years of marriage together. Liz, Virgil, I want you to stand up. And we've got a, a couple of special things that we want to acknowledge uh, them with and, and show you today and talk about them as we get ready for our service but we we just want to say to both of them and when we found out uh, her son Greg kind of tipped me off and let me know that they had been married 60 years now I said at the 830 service I said Liz doesn't look a day over 35 Virgil looks like he's 40 but you can't imagine they've been together 60 years but what a testimony what a powerful testimony in this day and time for a couple to still date like they do, dress alike like they do, smile and laugh at each other when nobody's looking, and still be madly and passionately in love with each other. I love you guys. I've watched you for years now. Liz and Virgil came to us, it was 23 years ago, 23 years ago. They, 
have been serving together. Liz is our associate pastor here at the church, and for 23 years she has served us faithfully, loved us, taught us, and been an example to us. We honor both of you and appreciate so much the way that you have, have blessed our church. We, man, I'm telling you, we stepped up a notch when you came to be with us. I remember as a young man, I used to slip in Princeton Pike. I actually went there uh, when I was very young, and I would slip in the back, and I would see Liz Ampergy on stage, and I thought she was a celebrity. I mean, I thought, wow. One time I remember she was walking down through the hall, and I come walking in, and it was just her and I, and I was like, I freaked out. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Am I supposed to shake her hand, say hi? What am I supposed to do? And you know, in her typical fashion, I remember her smiling that smile and just saying, God bless you. She had no idea one day I'd be her pastor. <laughs> but we love them so much. I want you to see something. We put together a, a little uh, video with Greg's help, apparently from what I understand. Now, don't, don't be upset with him, Virgil. They, he broke in your house on Wednesday night while you were at church. And he went through your photo albums, and I knew all about it. <laughs> and we wanted to put together a couple of photos that just give us a little bit of insight into this couple over the last 60 years together. Why don't you sit back just for a moment and take a look. You'll never find As long as you live Someone who loves I want you both to come up, if you will. No, I want you to come up here, because I think the people want to see you uh, real good, and, and they want to hear from you. <laughs> Could you help me by presenting those? What we have is we have 
a lot of folks have brought cards today to honor you, and uh, we tipped them off ahead of time, so they came ready for that. Others will be probably bringing more today, throughout the day. We wanted to present you with these beautiful, beautiful red roses in honor of your marriage of 60 years together. Thank you for all you do for us. We love you so much, and uh, we can never put into words, can never put into cards, flowers that would not be enough to tell you how much we love you, how much we honor you, and the calling of God that's on your life. One of the best things I can say, yes, you're great examples to us of how to be married and how to live a successful, victorious life in Christ, but you are godly and anointed and wonderful, and we love you very much. Thank you. You want to say something? Yeah. You want to say something? typical fashion. No, no, we won't say anything. We don't want to take time in the service, Pastor. Greg, do you want to say anything? I feel like I won the parent lottery. Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. And Adam is here, her grandson. Sarah lives out of state, so we were not able to see her today, but Adam, stand up. We've been praying for this young man. He went through a, quite an ordeal physically. And we're glad to see that he's doing fantastic today. Also, as part of this special day, uh, we have a very special guest who's with us. His name is Stephen Miller, and he is the mayor of the city of Fairfield, Ohio. And he is coming to make a special presentation today. And so we're excited to have him with us as our special guest. Would you make, me, make him feel welcome, Steve? Like the pastor said, my name's Steve Miller. I'm the mayor of Fairfield. Uh, I want to thank you for inviting me here today because this is a great pleasure and honor to me. I've known the Ambergies for a long time, but it's probably better stated, they've known me for a long time. They were good friends with my grandmother back in Princeton Pike. And uh, this goes way back. You've probably known me just about since I was born, I'm guessing. Um, because of the connection with my grandparents. But, uh, but what a special day, 60 years. What a milestone. And I really believe as time goes on, we'll see less and less of this. People are getting married later, and I don't think it's any secret, especially to those here that are married, it's not easy to stay married. I mean, you have good days and you have bad days, but they have hung in there together for 60 years. And... And, and I think I'll also say them something everyone here knows. The best chance that you have to staying married is you make it a three-way commitment. It's the husband, the wife, and God. And I'm not saying you can't make it without the Lord Jesus Christ in your marriage, but it's going to be an awful lot harder. Um, and you guys are living proof of that. You've made it. 
And I know that Jesus Christ is a big part of your life and your marriage. And like I said, that's your best chance. But with that being said, again, thank you for letting me be here. I do have a proclamation I'd like to read. And I have to take off the glasses to read. I'm getting a little bit older myself here. Um, but this is a proclamation from my office. Whereas the commitment of Virgin Elizabeth Ambergy made to one another 60 years ago has remained unbroken throughout life's joys and sorrows. The love that developed all those years ago has grown and strengthened to form a strong bond between these wonderful people. And whereas Virgil and Elizabeth Ambergy met in 1953 when Virgil returned home from serving in the army. After a two-year courtship, they married July 17, 1955 and celebrated the birth of two children during this union. Lanny, born in 1956, and Gregory, born in 1960, both graduates of Fairfield High School. Mr. and Mrs. Ambergy moved from Hamilton to 921 Hicks Boulevard in Fairfield in 1965, where they currently reside. Virgil Ambergy owned a small trucking company in Fairfield, and Elizabeth was a top-selling Mary Kay Cosmetics representative, earning several new cars over the years. And whereas Vir Virgil and Elizabeth taught a Sunday school class for many years based on marriage. They enjoyed teaching younger couples how to maintain the fun and romance in their marriages. Lessons that they had learned personally through their many years of marriage. Elizabeth Ambergy also served as pastor of the Fairfield Church of God for several years. It was a minister at Princeton Pike Church and Stratford Heights Church of God for over 20 years. And whereas, it is only fitting that the city of Fairfield recognize Virgil and Elizabeth in the following manner on this celebration of their 60th anniversary and many other years of service to their church. And now therefore I, Steve Miller, Mayor of the City of Fairfield, Ohio, do hereby proclaim Sunday, August 16, 2015, Virgin Elizabeth Ambergy Day in the City of Fairfield, Ohio. Congratulate Mr. and Mrs. Ambergy on this momentous occasion in their lives. May the love that started more than 60 years ago continue to bring them much deserved happiness. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Well, I'd say Steve Miller for president. <laughs> couldn't think of anything, anything better that we could do than honor this wonderful couple today. The Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. Several of you, if you, if you brought cards and you've not yet found, they've, they've not found their way into the basket, you're certainly welcome to do that. If you didn't come prepared for that today, you're certainly welcome to uh, bring it by the church office or give it to them in person, however. But let's, let's spend the week blessing them, honoring them and thanking God for the gift that they are to us. I am so thankful, and I feel that God has blessed our church. The fortitude, the commitment, the dedication, their marriage, 
their ministry, their lives, a beautiful, beautiful example to our church. It goes without saying that we love you, we honor you, and you are not taken for granted today. We're so thankful for you. And I think God blesses us when we honor his servants. Amen? Amen. excited just thinking about getting the 60 years of my wife so I was caught up in the moment I'm sorry <laughs> we've got 20 but we're still going at this time we're gonna take a moment and pray for Israel as we do I want to bless them and be a blessing for them so let's pray Lord we thank you for the honor that it is to be here in this place today Lord just to celebrate love Lord to celebrate the 60 years Lord that you've given in marriage to Virgil and to Liz, Lord. At this time, Lord, we turn our attention to Israel. We ask that you would be with your people in accordance to your word. We pray for the peace and prosperity of your people today. ask that you would love them, Lord, protect them, keep them, Lord, and give them strength as they move forward. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We're thankful this morning for Brian. As many of you know, he has spent a few days in the hospital, and uh, he's currently going through a little physical situation. We're praying with him and have been praying with him, and uh, he's doing better today. They released him. We believe the Lord has touched him, and we're, uh, we're going to move by faith in that, but we want to keep him in our prayers. Um, uh, two days, two full days. On the third day, he was dismissed from the hospital, and we want to uh, remember him. So thankful for him, and the way he ran up here just now, I was like, be careful. But, uh, we honor him as well. This is your opportunity in our service where we're going to do something um, to honor this beautiful couple. Many of you have come prepared to pay your tithe and to give into the building program. And, and as you've come today, normally we would give our loose offering to missions, to missionaries around the world. Every now and again, it's appropriate and correct for us to honor local missionaries people that have given their lives and their time to ministry. We could live, as I said earlier, we could never properly say thank you to Liz and Virgil Amberg. They've served on staff at this church for 23 years. Let me give you a little list of some of the things that they do right now. Liz is the associate pastor of the church. They're involved, she actually heads up and oversees the ladies ministry circles in our church. She and Virgil together have taught the family-focused Sunday school class for 23 years here. She takes care of all the memorial service, uh, funeral dinners that we have for families. Sometimes that can be two or three in a week, sometimes two in a day. And she takes care of making sure all of those are, are uh, the food is ready, prepared and ready for those families. Virgil has served faithfully on our church and pastor's council I'm not even sure how many years, I think 15 to 20, 15 to 20 years, somewhere right in there, he has served on our church and pastor's council. He has served on the building committee. He's been a part of this church in every, just about every facet you can imagine. They are not ones to sit back. They get involved and they get to know you. 
one of the things I love about them is you'll see Liz, and I can't count how many times she's tapped me on the shoulder and she'd say, that couple over there, this is their first Sunday. Pastor, there's someone I want you to meet over here. This is their first Sunday. She's always, always working, serving, and loving. And today I want us to take this opportunity to bless them. Many of you gave gifts and, and cards, and, and I appreciate that, and that's appropriate. This is a time when I want us to bless them with what we used to call in the church years ago a love offering. So this is We Love You, Liz and Virgil Amberg, and we want to bless you in a monetary way. All in favor, say aye. Amen. So let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for your servants. Lord, what I love about them the most is the humbleness of their heart. The way they don't like attention. They don't expect it. They don't seek it out. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would bless them using us. That our gifts today would in some way just be a small token of appreciation and honor for the work that they have given and done for us nearly a quarter of a century. I thank you for their marriage that stands as a beacon and a light to every man and woman in this house. I thank you for their dedication and commitment to the calling you've placed on their lives. I thank you for the preaching, for the teaching, for the praying. I pray that you will bless them today. Bless them above and beyond. Anything they have ever given to us times seven, we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ forever. Probably one of the things you don't realize, <clears throat> one of Liz's other jobs is every time I see her during the week, she'll tell me, do you know why you're so great? And I'll go, no, why? She goes, because I pray for you every day. She's told me that for 23 years so much that people say, what makes what you do so great? I go, Liz Ambergy prays for me every day, and that's it. Liz, we love you. The choir loves you. They've been a part of us, and still, Virgil, you know, he's not able to sing with us, but he's always the first one to rehearsal on Wednesday night. He rehearses every week with us, and we just look forward to seeing him and loving on him. We're going to sing a brand new song to you right now called Thrive.
Well, don't do that halfway. Let's give the Lord great praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. Excellent is your name in all the earth. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. You read that part? And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Mm. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Are you thankful yet? who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. No wonder, he said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We are victorious this morning. Stand with me all over the congregation. As we talk about going deeper, there's no way I could have planned this any better. When you talk about going deep, Liz and Virgil Amberge, they have proven what it means to go deep. They've given their lives, not only to one another and to their family, but to God and to his house. They've gone deep. They're aiming for something larger than the church of God's recognition. They don't work for a paycheck. They don't work for somebody to put their name on a plaque somewhere. They don't, they don't do it for that. How amazing when given the, I mean, I, I've known people through the years, they'd give anything for a five-minute spotlight. I said, you want to say something, Liz? Oh, no. No. Virgil, you want to say something? No. What is it that makes them so astonishing, so different? The world seizes opportunities to have their name in lights. They want the fame, the recognition power what is it that makes them so honored so revered in the hearts of the people and yet humbly say no 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 we'll just take a seat it's something that Paul knew about that I want to share with you in the few minutes that we have in talking about going deeper week two going deeper I want you to turn in your scriptures to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And while we're getting ready, I want to tell you, we, we didn't forget prayer time. We, our pastors are going to be ready to pray with you and anoint you with oil at the conclusion of the message as we invite everyone to come forward for special prayer. We don't want to put a cap and a limit on what God can do in our altars, even on Sunday morning. Sometimes our time keeps us from doing what we want to do in, in, in the spiritual realm. We want to pray for one another, agree with one another, lay hands, anointing on others, anointing them with oil. So we're, we're going to invite you into the altar at the conclusion of the message. And we're going to pray with you. But right now, as we're running for the prize, and I see them running towards this prize, and I'm like, I want to know what they're running for. What is it they're chasing after? What was it that Carl McLaughlin, all those years in our church, who used to take a fly, I mean, he was sitting right back there, right about there where Brother Gillespie is. He's sitting back there, and all of a sudden you'd hear, glory, and then we knew it. You didn't even bat an eye. He'd take off, woo, and he'd run. 
down the front, come back up here, run up there, out the building, and into his seat. And he'd go back and sit down. About did it every week. Nobody ever said, somebody ought to sit him down. Nobody dared ever say that. <laughs> Carl McLaughlin was one of the godliest men, one of the most Holy Ghost-filled men I've ever known in my life. He'd pray for you, and he heard a word. He never would open his mouth. Well, praise God, brother. He'd come up after service. He'd say, the Lord was in his house this morning. Woo! I'd say, yes, sir, Brother McLaughlin. I can see him right now. He's probably run so many laps around glory. He's got that place memorized. He is the GPS of heaven. What is it that they're running for? What are they looking for? What are they, what are they after? What are you after? Why are you here for? What, what are you doing? What, what's the purpose in coming to church on Sunday morning? What, why are you teaching a class? Why are you driving a bus? Why are you wearing an usher's jacket? Why are you doing what you do for the kingdom of God? Surely you could do other things to be recognized. You could do other things to get more notoriety, more fame. What are we running for? Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. When they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools, common men with no educational advantage. It says the people marveled. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Interesting. Unbelievable. The people were amazed. They marveled. They were astonished. Why? Because these were common men. Uneducated, untrained, unskilled. Didn't have all the notoriety and the fame and the position and power. Didn't have all that. Didn't have a rich daddy. Didn't have nothing. They hadn't even gone to school. But yet when they spoke, they spoke with such authority. They spoke with such boldness and eloquence. I like that verse, eloquence, class act, that the people marveled, were astonished. I'm going to pray over the word right now. Where's, where's Dustin? Dustin Abney, are you over there? There he is. Don't worry, brother. I'm not going to embarrass you, but we're proud of you, son. That's my friend right here. He's fixing to leave for the military. He's going to go serve our country. And we want to, in our prayer over the word today, I want to pray for you. I want you to remember, you're going to astonish people because of what's in you. There's faith in you. God's in you. You've been raised on the word of God. That You'll need it. Trust me, you're going to need it. <laughs> Keep skin like a turtle. But we're going to pray over you. We're going to remember you, and we're going to be very proud of you. And I honor you today for taking a step like you're taking. I know God's going to use it in your life to be a great, great thing. And not only that, but we'll all benefit from his service to our country. Amen? So I want us to pray for Dustin. Amen. 
he'll probably kill me after this service. <laughs> He's not one to, to seek recognition. He's not one to seek the spotlight. But he's a good guy. And we're going to be proud of him. And we're going to pray for him. I want us to pray right now that we get it. That we understand the idea behind service, dedication, commitment, and, ded and, and being sold out and letting God do the rest. And then watch what he does. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for the spirit of God that is here today. Lord, I feel and sense your blessing over us honoring Liz and Virgil as we honor their marriage together, the constitution that you've put together in creating a family. It was designed and created in your heart, not the heart of man. We thank you for that. We ask that you will bless them, that you'll also, Lord, touch Dustin as he steps out into his future. Lord, as he goes into the military, we pray in the name of Jesus, you'll keep your hand on him, keep him safe, protect him from all harm, and let him feel and sense your presence. And let every verse, every scripture, every mama uh, talk that has ever come down to him since he's been a child, let every bit of that rest somewhere in his heart so that when he needs it, he can just pull it right out. I pray over him. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it all work to the glory and honor of God in him as we're proud and honor him today for his step of boldness and courage. And we thank you today for the word that will speak to us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. They marveled and were astonished that these men were so average, that they were so common. They were untrained and common, yet astonishing. That is exactly the way I think the world should see us. You, you hear me talk a lot about how we're to be different, we're to be a light. Let me tell you if, you, if you're a manager, if you work in a store, if you work in a company, if you are a construction person, if you, if you have a different occupation, whatever it is that you do, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you should be astonishing. You should stand out. You shouldn't be just like anybody else. There really should not be someone in your company, in your business, who is better than you at being kind and being a servant and being an example of, of, of grace and eloquence and yet boldness for your faith. No one should be able to outdo you. If you're a boss, you should be the best boss those employees have ever had. Because you have Christ, the giver of life and love and sacrifice living inside of you. You should be astonishing to the people that you work with. Your family, as you've come to know Christ, there should be a difference in the man that you were, the woman that you were, and the man that you are, the woman that you are. There should be a difference. All throughout the Word of God, I see that there is constant challenge for us to go deep to go for the prize, to press towards some mark, some high calling, some, some trophy out there that, that I haven't yet to see in church services where no matter where I've been, no matter what revivals or camp meetings, no matter what ministries, no matter how large they are, I've never met anyone, no preacher, no singer, no teacher of the word, no one has ever been able to show me physically this prize, this prize, this trophy that we're after. Paul talks about it. He mentions it. He makes reference to a race. He talks about 
endurance. He talks about being a good soldier. He talks about, about us pressing towards a mark and, and yet not ever getting to the spot where we slow down and stop and think we've arrived. He says, go for the gold, but you'll never get the gold. Not here in this earth. He, he says, strive for the mark, but you're not going to ever get the mark. Not here. It's never what he's teaching. I've met people who, who think they've arrived. They, they think spiritually that they've arrived. They, they need no more teaching. They need more, no more preaching. They don't need church. They, they don't need a spiritual renewal. They never need revival like we sang this morning. They, they don't need that. They've, they've arrived. Can I just put a little waiver out here, a little warning out here? Be careful. Be careful. In my 25 years, I've not met anyone who's arrived yet. I've not met anybody who's reached completeness and perfect Christ-likeness yet. I haven't met them. Sorry. I, I, someone's going to get up with tears and walk out and be so upset because they thought that they had arrived to perfect Christ-likeness. Oh, we're striving. We're pressing. That's our heart's desire. And some of us, we're looking more and more like him every day. We're looking a lot like him. I've seen, I look at Liz Amberg and I think she's Jesus with skin on. But even Liz would be the first to tell you she's still working. God's still working on her. Paul, the great apostle, of the Word of God, he penned scriptures, uh, half of it written in, in, in jail cells. This, this guy was privileged and honored by God to be the one inspired to write the holy scriptures. And he says in Romans chapter 7, I beat this body down. I am crucifying this flesh. Why? Because the things that I should do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from myself? You, you look at that and you say, Paul? The great apostle? Donnie, the guy that's called to be the evangelist for the Gentile nation? Paul, the great missionary? The great apostle in chains, Paul? Paul says, but I lay hold of what I have not yet apprehended. I continually am holding on and striving for and reaching out for the goal of the high calling. The prize. Paul, what's the prize? What is it, Paul, that you're striving for? What is it that you're racing for? What is it that at the end of your life you, you finally had come to the place that, the end of your life. That's when Durani finally, after all the scriptures he'd written, at the end of his life is when he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. When? Ding, 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 ding. When does he get the trophy? At death. At death. That's when we stop growing. That's when we stop living 
this, this life where we're trying to please the Lord with all of our hearts. Paul wanted to please God. He wanted to know God. He was striving constantly to know more and more and more about him. I mean, he knew him, but yet you hear him crying out, and he's saying that I may know him, that I may know more of him, that I may still yet know him. People who love God genuinely are constantly dealing with this thirst and this hunger inside of them that cannot be satisfied. They constantly are looking for more and more and more of God. I've never gotten to the place where I thought, whoo, boy, I, I, I know enough today. Never gotten to that place. Maybe you have. But my goal in life, my hard-earned goals, my, my setting priorities for my life is number one, to get more in my knowledge and in my understanding and in my communication with Christ. To live more, more hungry and thirsty than I did yesterday. That's my desire. I love the hashtag, hashtag, which is the number sign, goals. People use it pretty crazy in social media now. Nowadays, it's like you see this billion dollar jet and somebody says goals, hashtag. See, a hashtag is kind of like a label that just it lists a topic or a subject or a desire, something you want. You know, sometimes it's something you want that you'll never be able to receive, but people like it so much, they, they put hashtag goals. For me, to own a house in Australia, goals. <laughs> to lose 15 more pounds, goals, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Promotion, finish a degree, goals. These are aspirations, resolutions, turning over a new leaf. But simply, they're just they're goals. Or as Paul said, the mark. And unless you have one, you're really kind of just out there floating. The Bible is really clear to point out. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, where there is no goal, where there is no revelation, where there is no desire, where there is nothing out there to get to, the people perish. Having goals is important. Reading the Bible through in a year, hashtag goals. Make kindness and servanthood a top priority in my life, goals. To mature and grow in Christ, goals. What kind of goals do you have? What kind of aspirations do you have? Are you just floating in life? Well, if I'm victorious, I am, stroke of luck. If I'm not, well, bad day. Are you just floating along in life like a ship without a rudder? There's nothing worse than not being able to control a boat if you're out in the water. You want to control that. There's nothing worse. My power steering went out several years ago in an old car, and I, I remember it was just going crazy. I, I didn't know how to, how to make it work. Transmission went out. I couldn't, I couldn't put it in the gear. You know, I had a car that was stuck in third gear. It was terrible. There's nothing worse than not being able to get to where you're going, having no vision, having no goal, having no, no aspiration. Our greatest and grandest desire in the whole world should be to please the Lord with everything we've got in us. But yet sometimes our goals are, are misaligned. A lot of times people will spend a lot of time on goals that are a waste of time. Knew a lady once who, who I mean, her, her house was spotless. 
And that's awesome. It's good to be clean. But I mean spotless. You weren't allowed to walk anywhere. I mean, every house was for looks only, every room. And, you, you know, there was like one little, you could walk through, and, and that was, it was just, I mean, it was almost obsessive. It was, it was uncomfortable. Children never watch TV in the living room with a, a cookie. No, that's unheard of. She protected her home. She lived this way all of her life until everybody was gone. One of the things, the comments that she, she made was, I wish that I hadn't had such a, a drive for a clean house because now I'm alone. My carpet's clean, but it's empty. Nobody visits. They say they feel uncomfortable. It's not home. Sometimes we have these goals, and they're a waste of our time. It's more important in this day and hour that, I mean, granted, I'm not saying, okay, everybody, from now on, live like a slob. <laughs> but it's important that we don't, that we don't allow things in this life to detour us from the things that are really important. Make the main thing the main thing that we really prioritize what goals are good and what goals are bad. Some goals are bad for us. Getting to the top in our company at any cost, that's a bad goal. I wanna be the richest person on the block so that I can show them all up, that's a bad goal. I'm gonna work my life away so that at the end of my life, I will have done and accomplished every one of my dreams. Well, that's kind of a bad goal. If it causes you to sacrifice your loved ones, your family, your time, quality time with them, there's nothing worse than getting to the end of your life. And how many times I've stood at the side of someone standing at a casket, and they said, we had a terrible relationship. I was mad, and they were mad. We didn't talk very much. I wish I could go back. How many times I've heard someone say, Pastor, you don't even know how much I have regrets. I live with regrets. I live with guilt. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Let's pray about this. Let's let God heal the hurts in your heart. And yet we, the message for us is that we need to set the right goals and priorities in our lives that we're, that we're all striving for, that we're all fighting for, that we're all trying to get to. Everybody's got them. The question is, are your goals good? Are your goals good? At the end of the day, you know, it was when I walked out of Miami Valley Hospital and I was standing next to my sister, Missy, and Missy and I were walking out we were walking across the bridge to the parking lot, to the parking garage, and we had just left my mom. She was there for the coroners. And we were walking out broken and sad, and I walked across, and I looked out the window, and I looked out at the sun, the setting sun and the clouds. I looked back at Missy, and I said, Melissa, as she likes to be called. And I said, I have no regrets. I loved her as much as she could be loved by her son. And Missy, with tears in her eyes, said, me too. No regrets.
That's the way we should live our lives. Living our lives now, taking care of things now, healing relationships now, before it's too late. Don't allow your life to be a life of regrets. Paul said, I am letting go of all the other things. He said, I count them as dumb. I count them as nothing. The things that I thought were gain to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. He said, I want to know him more than I want any of the other toys and prizes of this life. I don't need this world, its wealth or its fame. I'd rather, the old song said, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him and even the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to have him in my life. I want to know what I'm supposed to know as I'm striving for the prize. Paul, are you ready to tell us what's the prize? The high calling of Christ. The gift is Christ. The prize is Christ. His eternal life. That's the prize. Every day, Sheila, I'm living to win the prize. Every day, I'm striving not to be known in the church, the church of God, not to be recognized, not to have fame in this world or to have power and authority in this world. I'm not seeking that here. I don't need your pat on the back. I don't need your reward. It's good to love each other. We love each other and it's wonderful. It's comforting. It's encouraging. It's amazing. But I don't need that. What I need is Christ. What I need is to know that I'm pleasing him that I'm living for him. Paul said, I take care of this flesh. I die to myself every single day so that after having preached to the masses, I would not find myself a castaway. Paul was making it very clear, I don't want to live a life of regrets. I don't want regrets. I don't want it to be, well, I wish I would have, or I wish I could have, if I'd only... He said, I want to live that now. To live every day like, you, like today's it. Who do I need to thank? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to heal a relationship with? Who, who do I need to pray for? If today was my very last day on this earth, who would I go speak to before I left? We should live every day, Stuart, just like that. Every day. What a wonderful world this would be if everyone lived as if it was their last. The old country song, Live Like You're Dying. It's so important. We, we have these moments that all too often are taken from us. We're stressed out with our lives. We live and we go through one day, one day, another day. It turns into a week, and a week is a month. And after a month, it's a couple until it's a year. And then we look back and we say, whoa, where'd the time go? Well, this morning is about challenging us to grab hold of the time, to embrace the time, to hold it close. It's awesome the things that we get to experience and we get to do in this life. Embrace those things, treasure those things, treasure the moments. But at the same time, prioritize your goals in such a way that you don't miss out 
on the most important things. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul said, Not that I have now attained my goals or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of. I love that. But I press on. I keep reaching to lay hold of and make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own. He's talking about this that he desires, this this prize. And this is Paul. If anybody had a right to say they had put all their ducks in a row and they had arrived, it would be Paul. This is, I do not consider, brethren, that I've captured it or made it my own, but this one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind me, Straining, pressing, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal to win the prize which to which Christ, God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. We all have failed. That's a given. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And we all have need of growth. Those are the two basic truths that every one of us walk out of here with today. Every one of us have failed. Oh, uh, what? Sorry, but you have. Every one of us have fallen short and failed at one time or another. We all have to go back every now and again and repent and say you're sorry. The most valuable words that should belong in your vocabulary is I'm sorry. And secondly, we all, we all need to recognize that we need to grow. We all need to grow. We all need to go deeper. Paul examined himself. Paul, in his words, make it very clear that there is this amazing secret to his, his astonishing personality. Paul, who in his very shadow, people would be healed. Paul, the great apostle. There was an amazing secret about him, and it was this mark of spiritual maturity and this desire to grow. And it never was because he obtained it. See, that's what I want to get at today. It's not because he ever arrived or he ever got a hold of it. He didn't walk around on his missionary journey, showing everybody his trophy. He never received it here. But at the end of his life, he made it very clear. I fought. I finished. I kept the faith. He said, henceforth, there is now laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord our God shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them who also love his appearing. You know what he was saying? He was saying, whatever you do, you might get knocked down today, but get back up. You may get shot down by the arrows of the devil tomorrow, but don't let it knock you out. Get back up. Every time you fall, the Bible says the righteous will fall seven times, but they will always get right back up. When we understand it's not in the obtaining Paul never won his trophy here in earth. What he did was he said, but I'm reaching. His life, his pursuit, his journey 
was about reaching. What if I were to tell you that a victorious Christian life is not about getting to this perfect, super righteous throne of self-righteous living in this earth? What if I were to tell you you're never going to arrive and be completely perfect in this life? but you'll be victorious in your Christian experience if you will just keep reaching and keep walking and keep moving and going towards the prize. And then, once and only then, will you be able to say with Paul, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me that crown of righteousness. The trophy, the prize, which is Christ. Christ, all in all. I press, he said, on toward the goal. I press. So our victory is in the reaching. Amen? I want you to stand with me. True maturity in Jesus is reaching. True maturity and growth in Christ is about constantly pressing. It's about moving forward. Well, that takes the judgmental card away, doesn't it? Takes the judging, condemning guilt away. People can't beat you in the head with that any longer because it's all about the reaching. It's all in the pressing. That encourages me and it sets me free. And I hope that it will you too. Many people stay away from church and I've heard it through the years. But see, I can't be like you people. I don't know what it is you have, but I don't have that. I can't do that. They would say, I can't live perfect like all you Christian people. I can't go up and sit in a big old church in my fine clothes. And, and be perfect like you. I can't do that. And they'd say, man, I can't live it. Or they'd say, I'm not going to go to church because i still got things I need to work out. And when I get them worked out, I'll go to church. I'm like, good luck. Because it'll never happen. Not in this life. But becoming more and more Christ-like every day. Living more and more in His grace and mercy with a desire and a determination and a commitment much like a 60 year marriage that we celebrate today being determined I'm sure there were times when in Liz and Virgil's perfect marriage I'm sure there were times when one of them two times when she felt like giving up two times in 60 years that's a pretty good record Sure, there were times it was discouraging, times when it was, there was trouble, there were battles to face, times when it was tough, times when maybe taking the easy way out would have been better. But not to them because they decided they were going to get to the prize. They were going to get to the prize. They were going to be committed and faithful to one another for better, for worse, till in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, till death do us part. And that kind of commitment, that kind of dedication, 
in our hearts towards God. I'm telling you, that's the ticket that's going to get us the prize. It doesn't mean you'll ever get to the place where it'll be perfect. But in the reaching, in the pressing, there's where your victory will be. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. An old song. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Telling you the struggle's worth it, the fighting is worth it, the race is worth it, When you get to the end of this thing, you're going to be shouting the glory down. You're going to be so glad you stuck it out. Don't get caught up in the the world's ideas of success. Don't get get caught up in the church's ideas of success. Lots of people will try to teach you and preach to you all kinds of false doctrine on how you're supposed to be perfect. Let me just cool you in on something. The only perfect one is Christ. And if you will attach yourself to him, then you press on wanting to become more and more and more like him. I promise you, number one, you will get better and better and better every day. And it'll be like Sister, Sister Hanshell used to testify. She'd grab hold of a pew at Harlem Park and she'd do a little dance and she'd say, it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. I never really understood that until now. It's worth it. The struggling, the fight, the the race, it's worth it. Ask a caterpillar. Ask a caterpillar in his cocoon if it's worth it to keep pressing, to keep punching, and to keep struggling and reaching. Ask the caterpillar if it's worth it. One day, when he least expects it, he busts out of every limitation, every intimidation, every trial and every trouble, every pain, he one day breaks out. And when he does, woo-wee, it's a whole new world. And boy, you ought to see what he looks like. God gave that to you and I in nature as a beautiful example of what he wants to do in your heart. Every hit bow and every eye closed. As our heads are bowed, if you would like special prayer, I would like you to now feel, feel comfortable to make your way into the altar for anointed special prayer by one of our pastors. Just feel comfortable to come if, as we're praying, but with every head bowed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you don't have him in your life, you're not pressing, reaching towards that prize, you're not headed anywhere in particular, You're lost on this this sea of living. And you need Jesus Christ in your life. I'm here to tell you it's the greatest, most grand decision you'll ever make in all your life is to serve God, to be faithful to God, to not give in, not give up. Don't fall prey to the world's philosophies. Don't allow this world to dictate to you morality. Don't let them tear your faith down. But you struggle and you fight and you race and you stay in. I promise you it's going to be worth it making the right choice, going for the right goals today. It's going to be worth it. So are you here today? And if you need Jesus, would you just slip up your hand and write back down, and we're going to pray a prayer with you right here in this church. 
You say, Pastor, I need Jesus and I need to come to him today. Are you here and you need Jesus? Would you slip up your hand and then write back down? Is there anyone at all? God bless you, sir. Amen. Great decision. Anyone else? I need Jesus today. I want to pray the prayer to receive Christ into my life. Is there anyone else? Just a few seconds. We're praying. Christians are praying. Who am I waiting on? Is there someone else? I need the Lord in my life. I want to accept him today with this, this truth to, be filled, to fill my soul. Are you here? God bless you, son. All right, we're going to pray. And then I want to invite anyone and everyone to come into the altar for prayer. If you'd like to just spend a few moments in prayer on my left or right in the altar, we want to start making sure you have that opportunity every Sunday. Sometimes you just want to get alone and you want to pray. This is the place where you can do that. But right now, would you help me all across this congregation while these are praying in the altar, coming for special prayer. If you still like special prayer, you're more than welcome to come. One of our pastors will agree with you and pray the prayer of faith, anointing you with oil. But for those who are ready to pray today, maybe you lifted your hand, maybe you didn't. Several did. But let's pray together, church. Would you help me? Let's all pray this together. It's just words if it's not from your heart, but from your heart, it's going to change your life. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation with your death and resurrection. You are the Son of God. I declare today you're Lord of my life. Make me strong. Change my life. Give me strength every day to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you help me to praise the Lord? We're not going to officially dismiss church today. What we're going to do is we're going to just ask you to, to, be, to be careful and to be a little quiet among each other just while these pray and be friendly to one another, shake hands with people, hug their necks and let them know that you love them as we're dismissed. And if you'd like to have a special time of prayer, you're more than welcome to come into the altar today. God bless you. Please come back tonight. Our discipleship pastor, Melissa Graw, will be speaking. She has a message directly from the Lord for our church. I want to know you more.